This is The Defrag. I'm Christopher Lawson. When war happens, the flow of credible information can be vital. It helps citizens stay informed and can keep political leaders accountable for their actions. It's why many media companies will send journalists into a conflict zone to make sure that we have the story accurate. It might be dangerous, but having on-the-ground information is vital. Covering a war is hard enough, let alone doing it as a brand new media business. But one relatively new Ukrainian news organization is committed to doing just that. The Kyiv Independent was launched in late 2021, after journalists were fired from their previous roles at the Kyiv Post. And with Russia's invasion of the country, every reporter at the publication became a war reporter. The team was already running a GoFundMe to help support the new publication. And with many looking to support Ukrainian organisations, the team has now raised almost £1.4 million. And if you're someone that is wondering how you can support the efforts in Ukraine, then I encourage you to support independent media like the Kyiv Independent. I'll put a link to their GoFundMe in the episode show notes. Today on The Defrag, I'm going to bring you the story of how the Kyiv Independent came to be. The team documented their initial journey as a podcast series called Media in Progress. And rather than me retelling the story, I want you to hear it in their words as it happened. The story you're about to hear comes from the first episode of this series, and it highlights the challenging conditions that the Kyiv Independent launched under. So here's journalist Alina Alam Kent from the Kyiv Independent. November 8th started like any other Monday for the staff of the Kyiv Post. Most journalists were rejuvenated after the weekend, ready to tackle the new week. They walked through the office doors to work on their latest stories, investigations, and multimedia projects. And like on any other Monday, there was a general meeting at 11 a.m. The general meetings weren't mandatory, but highly encouraged, especially since 94% of our office was vaccinated, with fewer people working remotely. It's where the news teams, politics, business, culture, photo and video, gathered to update Kyiv Post chief editor Brian Bonner and others on what they were working on. Journalists pitched new stories, suggested ideas for cartoons and editorials. But on this particular Monday, instead of the Kyiv Post staff updating the chief editor with the latest news, Brian had something to reveal to us. In the last three weeks, we've gone full circle from we're going to expand double, triple to where we are today, which is the key post is out of business, effective immediately. There's no more stories reported, written, edited, no more website updated, no more print edition, no more anything. The Kyiv Post was a small but reliable weekly print and online publication that many expats, diplomats, business people, and tourists relied on for political, business, and cultural news. The paper had existed for 26 years. It was known as an independent publication with high standards. But when it was bought by real estate tycoon Adnan Kivan in 2018, turns out the newspaper's days were numbered. My name's Alina Alemkent, 
I used to write for the Lifestyle Desk and produce podcasts at KP. I love to cover Ukraine's booming techno and art scenes. But then I found myself among 50 unemployed staffers, suddenly told their work was over and their beloved newspaper was being shut down, supposedly for the time being. When the paper would reopen, we weren't told. But the marching orders were clear. We were to finish the workday, pack our belongings, and leave. As you can imagine, we had a lot of questions, a lot of reactions. Looking around the room, I saw the shocked and crestfallen faces of my colleagues. I looked over at my desk's editor, Toma Istomina, who was taking in the information. Toma is a curly-haired, smart, and energetic 26-year-old editor at the Kiev Post. Having worked at the newspaper for four and a half years, she noticed a few strange things that morning when coming into the office. There were red flags everywhere. In the morning, we came to the office and we wanted to publish like our COVID updates, the regular morning thing, some of the stories from last week's print that haven't been published yet. So like the regular Monday routine, we all come to the office, we get some coffee, we start to chatting about what's coming up, discuss the news, and then we post some stuff, you know, just the regular morning. And then uh, we can't post anything. None, none of us has access to the website. That was already weird. Another weird clue was how Brian kept pushing our general meeting back, seemingly nervous, delaying the inevitable. Another sign that something was up was that our accountant had come straight from the airport to attend a newsroom meeting, something she doesn't normally do. But this wasn't that regular meeting. It was 50 people finding out that they're losing their jobs. I think most people felt immediately like scared, disappointed, sad, devastated. I saw people tearing up. I saw people uh, with their jaws dropping. I think the typical reaction was a shock mixed with devastation. In a way, it was a relief because these tensions between the owner and the editorial team, they have been going for several weeks by then. It was clear to me that this owner doesn't respect editorial independence because he has a different understanding of what it means, what it means to be editorial independent. Yeah, before we go any further, we should first preface with the three weeks preceding this general meeting. Adnan Kivan bought the Kyiv Post in 2018. At first, it seemed to be working out. The Kyiv Post had his face on the print cover that week, accompanied by his quote, without independent journalism, you can't get democracy. But behind the scenes, there was more to the story. During the first visit to the newspaper's old office on Pushkinska Street, Kivan softly encouraged the newsroom to be less critical of the government. Silence is golden, he said. The team was surprised to hear that, but it didn't affect their work. I had been working at the Kyiv Post for two years before I saw Kivan for the first time in the new office in September. A millionaire businessman, originally from Syria, who owns the Kador construction company with dozens of property in Odessa, a regional capital in southern Ukraine. When I finally saw him in person, I was a little surprised. Kivan walked around in a black fitted suit with a wide smile on his face. Clapping his hands while walking around the office, he said, Kiev Post, so small, but so important. When he finished his visit, he shared a metaphor about receiving bullets due to the Kiev Post journalism, which everyone understood as the pressure put on him because of the Post's coverage. The newspaper has had three owners since being founded in 1995, and their occasional complaints about external pressure were nothing new to the paper. Every president and every government has made it clear that they weren't happy with the Kyiv Post's critical coverage. 
similar signals have repeatedly come from many influential businessmen. But about a month after Kivan's remarks, on October 14th, something extraordinary did happen. A surprising Facebook post that took the newsroom aback. Olena Rotari, a journalist that works for Kivan's TV station, posted an announcement that she, from now on, was chief editor of a new media, the Ukrainian-language version of the Kyiv Post. No one at the Kyiv Post knew anything about it, not even the chief editor. The owner ordered the expansion, bypassing the Kyiv Post staff. Kivan wanted the Kyiv Post brand to expand with Ukrainian and Russian versions. The staff agreed to lead the expansion, but were against a hand-picked appointment over the chief editor's head. The newsroom wanted Kivan's candidate to apply for the job and go through a normal interview process like everyone else at the Kyiv Post. In two weeks, the entire disobedient staff was fired and the Kyiv Post was shut down. A disagreement over fair hiring seemed to have pushed Kivan to take radical measures. Some allege that pressures from the authorities, such as the prosecutor general or presidential administration, may have played a role. In just one day, 50 people lost their jobs and a beloved newspaper they have worked at for years. But the Kyiv Post journalists didn't pity themselves. I didn't feel like a victim. I felt like, well, I'm an independent journalist. I did my job well and I got fired for it. And uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm proud of it. was silenced. But did the owner, or whoever was behind the shutdown, expect it would be enough to silence its journalists too? Immediately springing into action, the team quickly planned out their next moves. A staff statement was written and published the same day, starting with the simple, the independent Kyiv Post has ceased to exist today, after 26 years. We consider the cessation of publication and the dismissal of the paper's staff to be an act of vengeance by Nan Kivan. He has officially announced plans to reorganize the Kyiv Post and to restart operations in a month with a new team. We see this as the owner getting rid of inconvenient, fair and honest journalists. The response was international. Within two days, over 200 reports about the Kyiv Post shutdown had been published by news organizations across the globe. This is really the place where we shaped global opinion about Ukraine. That was our boss ex-Kyiv Post editor-in-chief and CEO Brian Bonner. With the shutdown of the Post, he decided to retire after 45 years in journalism. For the following two weeks, Brian would oversee the final operations to stop business. He would sit in his glass office, alone, a captain who went down with his ship. Finding out about the Kyiv Post's fate was a shock, he says. He delayed announcing the news for almost a week, hoping that the owner might change his mind. But by Monday morning, it was clear he had to let us hear the painful news. This paper, you know, mattered to me. It, it mattered to Ukraine. And how dangerous a time it turned out to be to have no reliable local English news source that reports on Ukraine. As Russia builds up military forces on Ukraine's border, Western intelligence continues to warn of a possible large-scale invasion. Every day, but especially today, Ukraine needs a free press in English to tell the world its side of the story. Instead, there's silence. So a team of our journalists decided to change that by taking the values of their beloved but now lost newspaper and uniting to create their own independent media.
A week after the events of November 8th, the United editorial team of ex-Kyiv Post journalists realized that although they couldn't get back the old Kyiv Post, they could at least save its values and their principles by creating their own media organization. The first thing on this media's to-do list? To keep people informed with a newsletter called Ukraine Daily. Curated by volunteers, our journalists are working 24-7 to bring vital news straight to subscribers' inboxes every morning. Covering the latest COVID numbers, national news, business, and culture, the newsletter only takes a few minutes to read. Thanks so much to the team at the Kiev Independent for letting us run this story. If you want to follow the reporting coverage from the Kiev Independent, you can head to their website, kievindependent.com. And to hear the rest of the story about how the publication established, listen to Media in Progress in your favourite podcast app. I'll put a link to the Kiev Independent and to their Media in Progress podcast in our episode show notes. And coming up after this quick break, I'll be back with today's headlines. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. For The Defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. Making headlines today? The Australian government has won a case in the federal court on appeal against eight children who argued that the government had a duty of care to protect young people from climate change. In May of 2021, the children won a case which established in common law that a duty of care existed. The Australian government disagreed and appealed. Given the ruling, it's expected that the children will appeal the decision in the High Court. The European Union has voted against a plan that would have created a de facto ban on proof-of-work cryptocurrency mining, which is the backbone of Bitcoin and Ethereum. The EU has been working on a legal framework for cryptocurrencies as it aims to reduce the carbon footprint of such technologies. While the wording that would have banned proof-of-work mining failed, the European Parliament Committee on Economic and Monetary Affairs voted to proceed with legislation to regulate crypto assets. The EU wants to make sure consumers are more aware of the risks and costs of cryptocurrencies and also prevent the use of cryptocurrencies for criminal activities. And Ford has announced plans to ramp up its electric vehicle range across Europe. The company will introduce seven new EVs by 2024 and expects to sell over 600,000 of them in Europe by 2026. 
The company is also looking to build a commercial battery production facility in Turkey to help keep up with demand. Ford also says that it's aiming to be carbon neutral across all of its European facilities and vehicles by 2035. Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was produced and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. If you love what we're doing with the show and want to chat about the latest news and information, then I encourage you to join our Discord. The link is in the episode show notes. That's all we have today. I'll be back with more tomorrow.